heaven father we rejoice and we thank you for the privilege of coming humbly and respectfully before your holy written word thank you that the holy spirit lives on our inside to guide us into all the truth your word comes in clarity your people built up equipped edified and jesus glorified and father we declare and decree that by the end of this service nobody lives here the same way they came in Jesus' name we pray. Moses and all the prophets. 
So it means Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is the scriptures and the prophets. Major prophets, minor prophets of the Old Testament. So when the Bible technically says scriptures, it is making reference to Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets will be referred to as scriptures. Alright, now, in your Bible, they wrote the Old Testament, and when they wrote the Old Testament, it started from Genesis to Malachi. But Genesis to Malachi is not the Old Testament. So where is the Old Testament? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Let the Bible interpret itself. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But now, has he obtained a more excellent ministry? By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Now, when you read the book of Hebrews and you see better, it's not making a comparison like good, better, best. Better means eternal. Eternal. Which means that Jesus is the mediator of an eternal covenant which was established upon eternal promises. That is how the writer of Hebrews applied the word better in the entire book of Hebrews. Alright? Now look at verse 7. Not according to the... For if the first covenant had been faultless, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Now the moment you read that, if you don't go further, you will think that there is a problem with the old covenant. But that's not what he's talking about. Because the problem of the old covenant is not the old covenant. So what is the fault of the first covenant? Look at the next verse. The next verse. It says, for finding fault with them. So the old covenant found fault with the people to whom it was given. The old covenant made nobody perfect before God. The old covenant failed in its mission of building a relationship between the people and God. Because it was a fault finder. The old covenant went about establishing people's mistakes and errors and disqualifying them from standing before God. That is why it is only in the Old Testament when you read, you will know that David slept with Bathsheba and killed the husband. You will not see that in the new covenant. It's only in the old covenant you will read that, that Moses killed somebody and buried him in the ground. You will see that in the new covenant. It's only in the old covenant you will see that Abraham slept with his house girl and had a child called Ishmael. You will not see that in the old covenant because the old covenant, I mean the new covenant, because the old covenant looks for fault, establishes the fault, and projects the fault. Because that is the spirit of the old covenant. For finding fault with them, not with it, with them, the people to whom it was given, he saith, Behold, the day is come, saith the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Next verse. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. When? In the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. So the old covenant started in the Exodus. Genesis is not old covenant. So the old covenant is Exodus to Malachi. In the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Then look at the spirit of the old covenant. Because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saying of God. Which means the old covenant is a conditional covenant. You do, I do. You don't do, I don't do. 
You give, I bless. You don't give, I don't bless. Okay? You draw nigh, I draw nigh. You don't draw nigh, I don't draw nigh. It was a covenant of demand. It was a covenant of performance. It was a covenant of works. The old covenant was a covenant that was predicated on man's ability to qualify. And because man cannot qualify, so the old covenant found fault in man and condemned man. Are we still here? Yes. Now, each of services, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. The first, he didn't call it the old. He didn't call it the old covenant. We must say with scriptural words. He called it the first. Why is it the first? Because that was the only covenant in existence as at that time. The first covenant. If it had been faultless, there would be no need for the second. So because it found fault, so people couldn't establish a relationship with God. The purpose was defeated. Because the purpose of the old covenant was to give man a definition on how to relate with God. But it never worked. So it, it found fault and it failed. Now the question will be, was it God that gave them the first covenant and the new covenant? Because that's a very important question because if you don't understand that, that's where you have some pastors who say that God has two sides, the other side of God. And what they mean is that God killeth and God maketh alive. And then sometimes you hear preachers say, the God of the Old Testament was more powerful than the God of the New Testament. The reason is because they think that it was God who gave the Old Covenant and then gave the New Covenant. And which will mean that God has a dual nature. Because in the Old Covenant, you do, He does. You don't do, He doesn't do. You do something wrong, He smites you. But in the New Covenant, He becomes a good boy. He goes around saying, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So it makes you feel like maybe God has an inconsistent nature by way of interpretation of that scripture inadequately. So the question will be, that old covenant that started from Exodus to Malachi, who gave that covenant? Galatians chapter 3 verse 15. Galatians chapter 3 verse 15. Brethren, please pay attention because it's very, very fundamental as to the things we're dealing with. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant. A man's covenant. Yet, if it be confirmed, no man disannulled or added thereto. A man's covenant. Next verse. Next verse. 16. Galatians 3.16. Glory to God. Now, to Abraham and his seed, we are the promises made. He said not unto seed as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is Christ. The promises made, not the covenant given. There is a man's covenant. Then the promises were made to Abraham. The promises made to Abraham is not the covenant. But there is a man's covenant. Okay, are you following? 
that to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he saith not unto seed as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed which is Christ. Next verse, verse 17. And this I say, that this covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the Lord, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of non-effect. So there was a promise before of God in Christ which predicted the law. The promise of God in Christ, the law which came 430 years after, cannot disannul the promise that it may make the promise of non-effect. So promise, covenant, covenant, man's covenant, promise made of God, are you following? So promise made of God, man's covenant, which now he says the law. Which means man's covenant is the law. The promise of God in Christ predicted the law. Are you following? Follow the thought. Now look at this. Which was 430 years after. Cannot this and all that it shall make the promise of only effect. Next verse. But if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. Under the law, you cannot have inheritance. And if it is by the law you get inheritance, then the promise of God is made void. Next verse. Wherefore then, serveth the law, it was added, it was not the plan of God. The law is not of God. If you are a preacher preaching the law, you are not doing the will of God. The law is bondage. It was added because of transgression till the seed should come. Same Galatians chapter 3 verse 17. It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hands of the mediator. So the law was angels' operation with Moses. So Moses and the angels produced the law that kept people in bondage. That is why it is called a man's covenant. What brought about the covenant of a man? The transgressions. So Old Testament is Exodus to Malachi, which is a man's covenant. The promise is Genesis, which is the promise of God in Christ. Are we teaching here? Yes. Alright, now, somebody says, so how, why did Moses give the law? Because I've had preachers here. But in mean, if you're condemning the law, who gave Moses the audacity to give the law? 
And if it wasn't God, why did God inspire it to be written in the scripture? Matthew chapter 19 verse 3. Matthew chapter 19 verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto Jesus, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful? <laughs> Are you here? Yes. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Next verse. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read in the Greek word anaginosko? Anna, A-N-A, Ginosko, G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Anaginosko. Have you not read that? Is are you not paying attention while reading? Are you just reading? Anaginosko. Are you reading without thinking? Have you not read attentively? Did you not read? Did you not read? Paying attention to details? Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, next verse, and said, For this cause shall a man be father and mother, and shall cleave his wife, and that twain shall be one flesh, wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God have joined together, let no man put asunder. Next verse. They say unto him, these guys are intelligent. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? You know what they say to Jesus? Okay, if God said no divorce, who gave Moses the audacity to establish a law for divorce? You're not following this. This will solve a lot of theological issues for you. If God said, because look at what happened. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, why did Moses then permit Israelites to divorce their wives? Where was that? Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24. That is what Moses gave commanded to give divorce to their wives. If God said no divorce, who gave Moses the power to contradict God in, in the Bible? Where did Moses get the authority to put what God said aside and establish his own and his own is respected? What they are saying to Jesus is, does Moses have more power than God that God will say something, Moses will say the other, and everybody obeys Moses? That's what they are saying to Jesus. What they are simply saying to Jesus is, what Moses said all through his books, were they all from God? What they are saying to Jesus is, so Moses' actions and Moses' laws, are they from God? Because if God says no divorce, Moses says divorce. Is there a fight? Listen, we don't have a question. Jesus, I love you. Experts. He saith unto them, Jesus, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you, allowed you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So Moses' law is not God. The law of Moses 
is Moses' way of governing a nation he was over. The law is not for the righteous. First Timothy 1 9. First Timothy 1 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. The law is not made for a righteous man. So if a preacher is upholding the law of Moses, he's contradicting the purpose of God. Because the law is not made for righteous people. We don't preach law to believers. The law is not for the righteous. But for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners. I'm not a sinner. I will not sit down in a church for a pastor to give me sinner's diet. For the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for men slayers. Those are the people you give the law to. Moses only did it because their heart was hard. So the, the, the Greek says, Moses, in view of the state of your heart, took what was in your heart and wrote it out for you to obey. He didn't say God gave Moses the law to give you. No. Moses decided to give you the law. Because he gave you Christ. You rejected Christ. Then he was left with no option than to tie you with the law. Since you don't want the liberty in Christ, take the bondage of the law. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are well in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life where in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. If you get that shout glory. So listen, the righteousness of the law is not fulfilled by us, it's fulfilled in us. We are not the ones to keep the law. Jesus kept the law. Our job is to enjoy the liberty that Jesus offers. If you want to say that shout, I hear you. Matthew 5, 17. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. <laughs> Glory to God. Think not. This is where the law preachers stay with. Think not. That I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Then the law preachers will now tell us we have to make people fulfill the law. Did you go to school? Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. See how powerful the law is. So the law was not made for you. The law was made for Jesus. 
That's why Jesus fulfilled it. Romans 10 4. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Can we all read together like a mass choir? Everybody in Eldoret want to go. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Are you a believer? No law of Moses. Christ is the end of it. Why? Because he came to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it and took it out. He blotted out the ordinances of our life that were against us. He took it out of the way. The law and all the ordinances of the law and the demands of the law, Jesus met all and took them out of the way. He abolished it. He fulfilled and abolished. I'm teaching good. For no man shall be justified by the law. No man. The law only profiles selective morality and produces careful sinners. The best of the law is intelligent sinners. Sinners who sin well and cover it professionally. That's the best. Because nobody can meet the demands of the law. You break one, you break all. Yes, 612. It only produces Pharisees and Sadducees. Hypocrites, whitewashed sepulchres. In private, they are doing something. In public, they cover it and pretend. The law cannot produce genuine believers. Because the law is not for the righteous. I'm teaching you. I said, I'm teaching you. The law produces careful sinners. What do I mean by that? A woman was caught in the very act of adultery. They caught her what? In the very act. That means when they brought her to Jesus, they brought her with hard evidence. Because you cannot bring somebody before the law without hard evidence. That's why they caught her in the act and they brought her from the act. But there's a question I've been asking the legalists. All these law preachers, there's a question, you know, we have a lot of them in Nigeria, I don't know about Eldo. I've been asking a lot of them. And let me tell you something else about the law preachers. They are very wicked. Law preachers are very, very wicked. They pretend to love, they don't love from their hearts. Because they are like white white sepulchre. Outside is white, inside is dead men. Oh yeah, that's why they don't like me and I don't want to be like you. I'm liked by God. Preaching good? Selective morality. The woman is caught in the very act of adultery. Then they bring the woman without the man. Does a woman alone commit adultery? If it's adultery, they make the man and the woman in the bed. Question, where is the man? The man is their friend. So they protect their friend and expose the woman. Selective morality. Selective morality. And observe, when they now brought her to Jesus, they quoted the law. Moses in the law said, stone her. Grace. Say you are a grace preacher. 
grace. What do you say now? That is where the lacuna is. Jesus cannot say, ignore Moses. He came to fulfill the law of Moses. He cannot say, let her go, or he cannot say, stone her. He came to save sinners. That's why it's temptation. It's the devil's authority. He cannot say, ignore Moses, and he cannot say, stone her. Caught in the fire. What did Jesus do? He went back to the law. Because by the law shall no man be justified. He didn't say any of you that has not committed adultery cast the first stone. Because if he said that they would have stoned her. Because for them to have boldness to bring her on adultery charges means they themselves have strength in the area of adultery. See, what they do is, where they are weak, they protect it. Where they are strong, they use it to punish you. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't follow women. I know myself since I got born again. And they are talking to somebody who is following a woman. They are using that to punish him. But they are full of jealousy, bitterness, anger, strife. You break one, you break all. That's why you can't be justified by the law. And I don't know why their problem is always fornication and adultery. Fornication and adultery. Fornication and adultery. Because they have a problem there. Fornication and adultery. As if that's the only sin in the Bible. I'm teaching here. Some say Dr. Damila does not preach sin. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not a message of sin. The gospel is the message of his resurrection. The message is the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. So if people will be saying, what do we preach? The gospel of Christ. Sin does not save anybody. A sinner knows he's already a sinner. Don't tell me my problem. Give me a solution, my friend. And if you don't have a solution for me, get out of my face. A sinner knows he's a sinner. And that is why he's looking for solution. So don't push it in and torment him. So, oh, Dr. Damila doesn't talk sin. That's not the gospel. We are sin abound, grace much more abound. So when God sees sin, what does he declare? Grace, grace, grace. God doesn't talk about problems, he talks about solutions. The reason why you are repeating the problem is because you don't have a solution. Once you have a solution, you don't talk about the problem. You take the solution and apply it. Am I talking to somebody here? The solution for sin is the grace of God. Brother Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the sanctified. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So that grace is the cure for sin. Oh, they say you guys go around giving people a license to sin. No, we don't give license. The people had license long ago. It was God that gave man the license to sin. God himself. It was God himself that gave man the license to sin. How? Adam, tree of life. Three of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat it, you will die. Anyway, the choice is yours. What is that license? 
You choose whether you want life or you want sin. Take the license. The choice is yours. God gave man the license. God didn't say, you cannot eat this. You must eat this. No. This, this, choose this. I mean, choose this. But in case you choose that, this one will come out of this. Anyway, you still ultimately will have to make the choice. That's a license. It's called free will. It's called free will. I asked him, is it the message of grace Adam had before he sinned? Did Samson hear grace before he kept sleeping around with prostitutes? Was it the message of grace Moses had before he, he, he sinned and could not enter the promised land? According to Moses' record. So stop, stop, stop trying to make caricature of God's preciousness. Because the grace of God is God's precious gift. Some say, you know, this new message. No, no, grace is not a new message. It's because you are late to the party. Grace has been the message. The grace of God has been preached from Genesis. You remember the promise of God where? In Christ, the law, which came how many years? 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of non-effect. So, all of them, Abraham, they enjoyed grace. Noah enjoyed grace. All of them enjoyed grace. Otherwise, if not for grace, the first murderer in the Bible, the first guy who killed somebody in the Bible, God, God puts a mark on him. If anybody touch Cana, deal with you. How can God be protecting a mother? The grace of God. Somebody said, but Adam sinned and God kicked him out of the garden. No, you didn't read your Bible well. God didn't kick Adam out of the garden. God didn't. God took skin, covered Adam. And after covering Adam, God planted the angel with the flaming sword to point Adam to the way of life. <laughs> to show Adam, look, that is your way of escape. <laughs> God protected the tree of life for Adam, not from, for him. Man fell by the tree, man will be restored by the tree. So the flaming sword was to point to the way of the tree of life. That was the gospel preached to Adam after the fall. Pointing him to the way of the tree of life. Am I, am I communicating? He was pointing him to the, to the way of the tree of, of, to the way of life. He was telling Adam, no, look, 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 redemption is going to come. Your case is not hopeless. I have a plan. Redemption is going to come. The seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. To keep, to keep a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. To direct Adam to the tree of life. To tell him that even though you ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your way back is the tree of life. He was showing solution. I wonder if I'm talking to somebody. I don't understand it. The grace of God from Genesis. Noah saw grace. Abraham found grace. Grace was available even to Moses. Moses. Moses in the law said you cannot marry out of Israel. Then he went on a, a, a trip to Kenya. And as Moses was going back from Kenya to wherever he came from, he used Ethiopian airlines. As he stopped by Addis Ababa, he saw one beautiful, beautiful Ethiopian woman. 
I said, my goodness, my goodness. Even though the Lord said, don't, but not this one. The Lord must forbid this one. He picked the Ethiopian babe and took her back home. And Miriam and Aaron decided to confront Moses. And the supernatural of Moses gave Miriam their cross. He kept the law, but he himself was breaking the law and nothing happened to him. Why? He was a servant over his house. He didn't hear it. He was a servant over his house. <laughs> Somebody said, what are you talking about? <laughs> he built for them a tabernacle and he told them they cannot enter. Don't enter. You are not holy enough. The law has segregation. Don't enter. You are not free. Only the high priest rules every year and make sure you have no sin before you enter. The rest of you bring animal and kill here. They will offer the animal to cover your sins, not to forgive, to cover. To cover. And any you don't bring animal, all your sins will be uncovered. So that means you have not really escaped. The sins are still following you. It's just that you are covered. Moses was a big boy. Moses was a he was a people. Are you following? Then after telling them all of that, Aaron shall sprinkle on you the anointing oil. So Aaron will gather Israel, cha cha cha. You put oil on all of them. But nobody put oil on Moses. Not for once did he collect the oil. He knew better than the oil. I'm teaching good here. Then watch Moses. Nobody can enter the holy of holies. Except he is clean and once he did, but Moses himself was entering everywhere and coming out everywhere without a problem. Why? Because the, the tabernacle was not God's instruction, it was Moses' teaching ministry. See, if I'm using something to teach you and I say don't touch it, me I can touch it because I'm the teacher. Because Moses was a servant over his house. Then he says, Jesus is a son over his house. Whose son, whose house you are. So that means Moses could do whatever he chooses to do with Israel. Because he was over them. Somebody says, who gave him that much power? Israel gave him. Wasn't God. Moses and Israel were all sinners. No one was better. So God said, all of you in Exodus 19, come to me. I want to meet with all of Israel and make all of you a kingdom of priests and kings. That is, I want to give all of you equal access to me. Exodus 19, 4 and 5. I want to give all of Israel. I don't want anybody to be superior or anybody inferior. Verse 4 and 5. 5. 5, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice in me and keep my command, then you shall be a peculiar treasure above all people, for all the earth is mine. Alright? Next verse. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. That is, all of you will be priests. Then Israel said to Moses, we don't want to talk to God. We reject it. Tell God we say no. God said, I want to make all of you kingdom of priests. They said, no, we don't want Moses, that God that you are always talking about, you, go to him, let him tell you everything he wants us to hear. Then you come and tell us. 
The way to we to have a message, we will send him to go and tell God. They appointed Moses, their boss. So since they gave him authority over them, he decides what becomes of them. Am I communicating at all? That is how he became a servant over all of Israel. So because they have made him their boss, he gave them laws. 612. John 117. Did you go tonight? John 117. John. Come here together. Then let everybody want to go. For the law was given by but grace and truth. That word K is not in the original. The original has exist. Grace and truth exist as Jesus Christ. Go check the Greek lexicon. Grace and truth exist as Jesus Christ. So, and the grace and truth is not two things. It's not grace and truth. No, there's the Kairu, K-A-I, of Bible interpretation, which says that and in this particular context is calculated. It's not a conjunction. Calculated means it's a further expansion of what was said before. So it will be grace, which is the truth. That means grace is truth, truth is grace. So the message of truth is the message of grace. The law is not truth. The law was given by Moses. But grace, which is the truth, exists as Jesus. Because Jesus is grace and Jesus is truth. He's full of grace and truth. Grace which is truth. Of his fullness of grace and truth have we all received. So Jesus is the embodiment of grace. Grace is the truth. So if you want to preach the truth, the gospel of truth, you preach the grace of God, which is the revelation of Christ. I'm teaching good. I'm teaching good. Now some people are not law preachers. They are mixture preachers. That's a bigger problem. It's even better you are a law preacher than a mixture. That's worse. You are not preaching outright law. You say you are a grace preacher, but you are mixing some law here and there. You forget that a living, a little living, living at the whole law, a dot of law in grace renders grace useless. Grace must be totally pure. Am I doing good? You cannot pour new, new You cannot pour new wine into old wine skin. You can't mix. You can't preach law and grace. You are either preaching law or grace, and if you are preaching law, you are preaching bondage. You are not in the will of God. If you are preaching grace, you are preaching truth. You are dispensing the finished work of Christ. And did you do? You can't mix it. You can't mix it. One pastor in Nigeria said to me, Dr. Damila, this grace thing is really wonderful. You know what? When I started preaching, people in my church started becoming too liberated. Too free. Totally free. 
They were not even obeying some instructions I gave. So I used a little love to tie them. The liberty of Christ. So he takes a little Moses to tie Christ. I said to him, You are doing a disservice to the body of Christ. The reason why your people look like they are not obedient is because you have tied them in bondage for long. Now you give them freedom, give them some time, let them enjoy the freedom. Then as they enjoy the freedom, as you begin to teach them more Christ, Christ will begin to make them see that the liberty is a liberty to serve. You are not liberated to just live anyhow. No, you are liberated to use the liberty to serve one another. But give them some space. You too, God, gave you space. Let them balance. Let them be. Don't rush them. Is that the woman who said when he started preaching grace? Some of his elders came to church with pipe. Not secret. Pipe. Elders. Church elders, not ushers. You know there's a difference between elders and ushers. One is he, one is you. Elders came to church following Sunday after hearing grace. God loves you the way you are. There's nothing you can do to change the love of God. God has accepted you the way you are. He knew you were not clean when he made up his mind to accept you. So don't try to impress God. Just be the way you are. Ah, the elders are wonderful. To smoke. Let's smoke in the public. After all, God accepts us the way we are. So the following Sunday, as they came to church, elders were smoking before service. Elders come fresh. <laughs> in front of the church. So after service, he said some of his elders came and said, Andrew, Andrew woman, you've destroyed your knees. You have destroyed your knees. So Andrew said, how? We are smoking before the sun because of what you preached last Sunday. You told people they can see they are okay. So I know what said. He said to me, guys, go and ask those smoking elders which of them started smoking after last Sunday. <laughs> they were carefully smoking before. The message of grace makes you come out from hypocrisy and just be yourself so that the word of God can settle your issue. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. That's why they think there is sin in our camp. But their own sin is cancer. It's cancerous because they are hiding it from treatment. They are protecting and nourishing their own sins. And the woman said they kept told them to, to tell those elders to keep coming with their cigar. Keep coming. Because the important thing is that you came to hear the word. Ultimately, it is the word that gives you the power to live above sin. So don't stay away from the word. Keep coming. Come the way you are. Come with your cigar. But don't smoke it out of it. Then come inside. So your smoke won't disturb us. But be in church. 
So the elder said, Come in smoking and attending service. After a while, one by one, their appetite for secret was replaced by appetite for the world. See, as you keep thinking on the word of God, it starts changing your appetite. The word of God deals with the root of issues, not the branches. The word of God deals with the root of issues, not the branches. The mechanism want to use control to stop you from sin. Control doesn't have power. It will only make you a hypocrite. In Christ, we allow you to enjoy the party, but we feed you Christ. We feed you Christ. We all with open face. As we behold the glory of God, as in a mirror, we are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, but observe, we have the first of all, behold. You can't overcome sin if you are not beholding. You have to be beholding. You are sinning, behold. You are falling down, keep your eyes. You are stumbling and staggering, keep looking. As you keep looking in the process, the power of the sun will change your appetite. Once your appetite changes, those habits will no more be attractive. We keep believe as Christ. Only Christ frees from sin. Brother Paul said to them, we are, we are seeing a bound. Grace wants more abound. He said, shall we continue in sin? Let grace be abound. And many people ask me that as a question. But don't you believe that you are preaching all of this grace and Jesus and all of that. Even Brother Paul was asked, shall we continue in sin? That grace be abound. And you know my answer? Don't make it look like your father wasted his school fees on you when you went to school. <laughs> because your problem is English. And I know you went to school. So it's either you didn't pay attention to your English class or you were playing when you were teaching. There's a difference between shall we continue in sin and shall we continue to sin? If he says, shall we continue to sin? They were saying, shall we continue in? And what the Paul said, impossible. God forbid. God forbid in the Greek is impossible. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer dearly? Then he explained, know ye not that as many of us as we are baptized into Christ, we were baptized also into his death. What Paul said, don't you know that the day Christ entered, you died? And dead men don't leave. The moment Christ enters you, you die. So there's no continuing in sin. In the state of sin, you die. You are now alive in the state of righteousness. Am I teaching here? No sin for the believer, only righteousness for the believer. The law, man's covenant. The promise, God's promise in Christ. The law interrupts God's promise because of men's hearts. Then Christ comes to fulfill the law, take it out, died, and gave man the power to live in a new covenant. And in this new covenant, it is covenant in the blood. See that? The new covenant is not do's and don'ts. The new covenant is a transformation of the heart by the spirit of God. 
Watch, old covenant, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. New covenant, I will. I will. I will. Old covenant, you shall not. New covenant, I will. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. Are you enjoying this class? Hebrews 8, 8. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, say of the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Next verse. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, say of the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in, after those days, say the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. I will, I will put my law into them. They will not put my law in their mind. I will put it there. I will put my law into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Next verse. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying no the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest of them. Question. Why will we know you? Which means in the old covenant they didn't know him. They only know laws. They didn't know God. But you will know me. So what's the difference between our time and their time? Next verse. Woo! For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. I will remember again no more. Now observe. He didn't say they will not have iniquity. He said they will have iniquity. But my response will be mercy. He didn't say they will not have sin. He said they will have sin. But my response is it will not be recorded. There's a theology that some churches preach which is false. Sinless perfection. It's not possible for any human being to be sinless in this world. It's not possible. It's not possible. Except in your normal happy mortality. It's not possible. Even today you have sin. Today. Because Every sin is not fornication and adultery. Fornication and adultery is not the only sin. You have committed fornication, do not commit adultery. Do not commit. You are suffering from fear of adultery because of the problem. Shut up, my friend. There are more things to talk about. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him is sin. You know you should come to this meeting on time. You came late. You see it by coming. Just a note that was tragic. You know there will be tragic. You should have left your home earlier. Whatever is not of faith is sin. You don't like a particular food, but you don't have an option and you're hungry. So you eat it anyway. As long as the food is in your stomach, you are seen. Because you didn't eat by faith. You only eat faith by circumstance. I'm teaching. You know that when you come to church, you should say hello to a brother. But because of the way you are feeling, you ignore him and think like you are praying. Meanwhile, you are not praying. You are seeing him. I don't know if I'm teaching here. You even see by looking. You seem by looking. You seem by talking. You seem by thinking. 
Because he said, whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, whatever things are loving, whatever things are honest, whatever things are of good report, and of virtue and praise, think on this thing. So anything that is not in that list that you are thinking, you are sinning. If you are thinking fear, you are sinning. If you are worried, you are sinning. If you are anxious, you are sinning. Is there anybody here that doesn't get worried? Is there anybody here that doesn't get anxious? No. So there's nothing like sinless perfection. There is only Christ's perfection. Christ is my perfection. I'm not perfect by myself, but in Christ, He has perfected me. If I'm preaching, shout I hear you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Let's look again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 12. Can we go? Why don't you go? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins for how long? Forever. What did he do? Sat down where? On the right hand of God. Verse 14. Give me verse 14. 14. Verse 14. Everybody, where to go? For by one offering, he had, he what? He had, he what? He had perfected them forever that are sanctified. How long are you perfected? Forever. How? By the offering of Jesus. Not by your efforts. Not by your conduct. Not by your morality. By his offering, you are perfected. And his offering is forever. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. He is my perfection. He is my righteousness. He is my justification. He is my holiness. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Put it up. Let's go together like a mass fire. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 10. Everybody want this go one to go. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Next verse. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them Jesus is my sanctification. So I am perfected in Christ Jesus right now. Am I teaching good? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I will be merciful. I will write my laws you have. I will put my word in your, in, your, in your mind. You won't do it, I will do it. It is he that worketh in us. But to will and to do, he's the one that walk. We are not the ones that walk. People have come to our church and said, Dr. Damina, you know what brought me to the church is you never condemned me. You just preach Christ. And the more I heard Christ, the more I felt like hearing more. The more I felt like hearing more. The more I felt like hearing more. The more I kept like hearing, and the more I kept hearing, I discovered things were changing effortlessly. Effortlessly. We have records of Muslims getting born again. One of them I met in New York, a very sharp, intelligent Islamic girl. She just said to me, Dr. David, you know, I love your teachings because you never come there. 
you don't attack Muhammad, you just explain Christ, and there is Christ in the Quran. So, since the Quran doesn't explain Christ enough for us, so when I had you explaining Christ, I wanted to know Christ more. So, the more I kept listening, 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 now I'm born again. You didn't condemn Muhammad, you didn't attack Muhammad, you kept explaining Christ. And the reality of Christ came alive. Amen. And with the family in Maryland, same testimony. We preach Christ. We preach not ourselves. And we preach not people's failures. We preach Christ. And did you know? So he now says, the reason why you will know me is because I will be merciful. The law has no mess. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, leg for leg. Punishment. Do it back. Do it back. Touch me by mistake, that by correction. Law of Moses. The soul that sinners shall die. Law of Moses. Christ died so that those that were to die will live. The law is you do, thou shalt not. The finished work of Christ is I will. And he said, because I will be merciful to you, you will know me. You know, those of you who have parents who were like military in nature. By the time they arrive the house, who kept that water there? What about that? Remote control. Who kept the shoes there? Hey, all over the house. The father is harassing everybody. The children are all escaping for their lives. The next time you see that this car, what do you do? You take off. You can never have a relationship with a father who does not tolerate. A father who is like a perfectionist. A father that is judgmental. Can never have a good relationship with his children. Never. For you to have a good relationship with your children, you must be able to tolerate them. Take them the way they are and in love correct them. Then they will run away from you. And that's what God does for us. He said in the Old Testament, I was misrepresented as a God that goes about looking for to kill people. That's the that's picture of the Old Testament. So when God saw that the prophets didn't give an accurate picture of his character and Moses, the pictures were modeled up. So Jesus, who is God, took up a body. And came among men to represent his character by himself, to reintroduce his nature, to make you know who killed in the Old Testament that it was not God. God has never killed, God does not kill, God will never kill. How we know that in Christ, did Christ kill anybody? No. Even those that were killing him, he said, forgive them. He only raised the dead. He killed no one. He gave life. If Christ didn't kill, God never killed. Because Jesus the same, yesterday, today, and forevermore. I the Lord, I change it not. If God is a killer, Jesus will have killed. Because Jesus is God who became a man. He allowed a prostitute to kiss his legs. 
You didn't hear that. Imagine on a Sunday service. Jesus, the pastor, is sitting down with his legs crossed in the service. And a prostitute. Not a fornicator. Not an adulterer. A prostitute. A lady that gives men sex for money. Entered the service. Came to his leg. And Jesus didn't tell protocol, protocol, protocol. No protocol. Even Peter with his knife could not operate. You know, Peter was always carrying knife. You don't know. That's why when he removed that man's ear, Jesus told him, put it back. He didn't throw it away. He said, put it back. <laughs> Maybe there's a place where you will need it. Maybe you want to eat mango, you will need a knife. Maybe you want to eat some banana, you will need a knife. So put it back. <laughs> but now you need a this man. <laughs> then Jesus took the ear of the man and put back to correct the record. Jesus said, no, 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 we are not damagers. We are not killers. We are not destroyers. He took the man and said, put it back. Don't dent our record. The son of man is not here to destroy, but to save men's lives. Glory to God. Isn't God a good God? And he said, Jesus, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. That is the character of God. He that has seen me has seen the Father. What I see the Father do, that is what I do. Jesus is the true revelation of the Father. So, Jesus didn't do protocol. He didn't set to protocol. He kept his leg. The prostitute gave his knelt down and started kissing the leg. He did not. She took a bottle of perfume, broke it, and poured it on his leg. He did not. She brought her Brazilian hair and was wiping the leg. Jesus said not. He gave her the gift of acceptance. Peter called Judas and called Thomas. He said, guys, don't come. Let's have it. And you know what they were discussing? They say, if Jesus was a man of God, he should have known the quality of woman that is stylishly romancing his legs. She's kissing him, she's rubbing and wiping, and he's still sitting down there. No, 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 maybe we are with the wrong man. Then Jesus says, Simon, Simon, because he saw their confusion. Simon, Simon, I have something to tell you. Peter said, speak on, Master, God is speaking on. If only you know what is happening to you right now. Speak on, Jesus says, Simon, since I came to your house, water you did not give me. My feet you didn't clean, as our custom is. But this woman, whose sins are many, since I came, has not stopped wiping my leg with her hair, breaking a perfume on my body. He said, this woman who sin is too much for this singular act her sins are forgiven and is there anywhere the gospel is preached this woman will be mentioned have I mentioned that today 
marriage protocol to throw her out. But Jesus gave her his legs. They call him a friend of sin. He gave her He accepted Because God said, I will be merciful to your iniquities. Your sins and iniquities. I will remember them again. No. So we have the gift of eternal forgiveness. You didn't hear that. We have the gift of eternal forgiveness in Christ. We don't have instrumental forgiveness. You didn't hear what I just said. We don't have instrumental forgiveness. We have eternal forgiveness. That is, we don't confess sin. Believers don't confess sin. We confess Christ. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So who do we confess? Christ, the cure for sin. The gospel is the message of the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin is not a prayer. Forgiveness of sin is a preaching. We preach the forgiveness of sin. Somebody say, prove it. Look for 17 and 18. And there was delivered out in the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Can we all read the next verse again? Everybody want to go? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. Hold on. To preach what? Deliverance is not a prayer. Deliverance is a preaching. Deliverance is not a service. Deliverance is a preaching. We don't pray deliverance. We preach deliverance. To preach deliverance. Deliverance is not a prayer. Deliverance is not a service. Deliverance is the message. I will be 40 years in ministry, not reading by ministry. In a short while for me, maybe a year. I've been around. I've been around. I'm not a boy, don't be deceived by my question. He's blessing and holy ghost. I've been 40 years preaching, preaching. Preaching, not reading the back, preaching. When deliverance started, we were the experts. <laughs> and after people walking here, people be falling everywhere, rolling on the floor, breaking all the chairs without re- replacing them. <laughs> I will do deliverance from morning till evening. I will ask for food to eat. After eating, we go and continue. Deliverance. I was among the first few pastors in Nigeria who used anointing oil in Assemblies of God Church. Assemblies of God Church didn't have any business with oil. I was among the first, because my father was a pastor, I was among the first that introduced using anointing oil. 
And the first day I did it, they locked me up in the church to go and gather the elders to decide what to do with me for bringing oil to touch people. That I must tell them what is in the oil. We were persecuted. Deliverance. I did deliverance till I delivered trees and animals. Cat come here in the name of Jesus. You spoke into the cover of that cat. The cat will let me. But the problem was the same people we delivered, we kept delivering them. If you are not stupid, or the preacher is stupid, one of these, either you that is being delivered is stupid, or the preacher is stupid. If you really have power, you don't deliver somebody twice. Once. If you have power, you don't even speak for an hour on one case. Out is out. But we will say, come out. Now start manifesting. Start manifesting. Now stop. How many of you are there? 300. It's a lot. Okay, I'm sorry. We're actually 50. It's a lot. We're sorry. We're actually 5,000. It's a lot. Shut up. Fire, 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 fire. Holy Ghost, fire. Kerosene, fuel, diesel, fire.
demons are cast out of people by believers. You don't cast demons out of believers. Believers go out to cast out demons. This time shall follow those that believe. In my way, they shall cast out demons. He doesn't say they shall have demons cast out of them. I'm teaching this thing good tonight. Somebody say, you know, we have a deliverance ministry. Shut up, you don't have a deliverance ministry. Go and read your Bible. There's no ministry like deliverance ministry. Come say, my own is prayer ministry. Shut up, go and read your Bible. We're not in prayer ministry. All of us are called to pray. Praying with all prayer and supplication. All believers are called to pray. Oh. Some say, well, I have intercessors in my job. No. Go back to school. Yes. No human being is an intercessor. Yes. Jesus is the intercessor. Hey. It's only Jesus that is the intercessor. Yes. So close on that intercessory department yes. and turn them into a prayer people. Yes. And the whole church ought to pray. Yes. All of us. We all, all. No special prayer group. Every child of God ought to pray. So don't let some people prayer warriors and some people prayer not. <laughs> the whole church ought to pray. I'm teaching you tonight. Yes. The whole church. So casting out demons is done by believers to unbelievers. A child of God cannot be demon possessed. Why are you casting out what is not in? That's why the demons don't go. Don't say, but the man was screaming on the floor because you played on his psychology. It's a psychological issue. You told him he had something, and you told him the power of God will hit him now, and you are saying it in the public, and everybody is watching him to see whether he is really an insulator or a conductor. <laughs> you are putting him in the, in the uh, you, are, you are putting him in the spot. And then you can say the power is coming, the power is coming. So he has to do what you have said so that people will know that he is not a resistance to the power. And tomorrow again, he said he will still do the same. Most of the things they call deliverance is psychological manipulation. It's witchcraft because it's a manipulation. You play with their mind. I used to do it that time. I know how the game works. Walking to a service where people don't have knowledge. But most of those who talk to you, they don't have knowledge. So there are there are 50 people I came for. There are 50 of you. 10 of you are businessmen. 20 of you are in need of husband or wife. The power is going to move now. I've already positioned you for one. The power is going to move and you cannot stand. I'm already instructing you to fall. You cannot stand. The power is coming. And you see everybody. And after the service, they are still the same. That's not power. That's hypnotic. Real power is changed inside out. And it comes by hearing the word. Where the word of the king is, there is what? Power. Power is God's word. When you receive the word, you are receiving power. Dr. Daniel, you mean nobody should fall. Well, sometimes people 
could fall. Why did they fall? Because they yielded and their body couldn't carry it. But that's not a sign of power. You don't judge the power of God by falling. You judge the power of God by the word. I'm teaching good. So deliverance is not a prayer. Deliverance is a preaching. And when people believe the message, they move from one kingdom to another. Once they enter the new kingdom, the old kingdom has no business with them anymore. When I was in Nigeria, I was under the government of Nigeria. I obeyed the laws of Nigeria. The moment I boarded the aircraft to, to, to Mombasa, and I entered Kenyan airspace, and I submitted my passport at the immigration, and they stamped me into Kenya. Nigerian laws don't have power over me here now. It's Kenyan laws that have power over me. Because I'm no more in Nigeria, I'm in Kenya. When you move out of darkness into light, darkness has no power over you anymore. Only the light has power over you. Am I talking to somebody here? Now, even in casting out demons, Jesus gave a caution. You don't just go around casting out demons. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places, seeking for accommodation and finding none. The evil spirit will say, let me go back to my house. That means the person was never born again. The person was the house of that spirit. Let me go back to my house. No devil can call a believer my house. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which means demons are cast out of unbelievers. And he said, when he comes and finds the place clean, nobody occupies. He goes back to bring seven other wicked spirits. And they come in, eight of them. Which means you don't cast out demons from a man who is not ready to receive Christ. Because the guarantee that those things will not come back is that Christ, a superior person, has occupied the space. Am I teaching? A superior person has occupied the house. So he now says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So, deliverance is preached. Okay? And the forgiveness of sin is deliverance. Somebody say, prove it. Acts 13, 38. Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 13, verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren. Can we all read together? Everybody want to go? Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. So the forgiveness of sins is preached. You don't pray for forgiveness. You preach forgiveness. Why do you preach it? Because that's the finished work of Christ. Yes. Why don't we confess sin? Because we are not the advocate. Yes. If confessing sin could cure sin, Jesus will not die. He will live up to be confessed. The first person who confessed sin was Adam. Adam confessed it, yet his sin was not said. Adam, where are Adam? I'm afraid. What happened? The woman who came in made us, we ate the tree. Yes. And we are naked. So we are hiding. What is our confession? But did that solve the problem? No. Jesus had to die. The wages of sin is not confessed. The wages of sin is dead. So if you really want to help yourself from sin, die. 
and the death of a sinner has no value to save the sin. Only the death of the sinful. So that's why Jesus died. To free us from sin and all that sin will seek to do to us. Am I teaching you? Then somebody says, what about 1 John 1? Put it off. Now, doctrinally, that's the only verse of scripture where confessed sin is mentioned. Nowhere else. This verse does not have a corroboration using this word anywhere in the New Testament. It's the only place, and it is only Brother John who used this word confess our sins. And only in this verse. And in doctrine, one verse does not establish the doctrine. You need two or three witnesses. Actually, you need a corroboration of text to establish a doctrine. And this is not enough to form a doctrine. That we now start preaching. You must confess your sin. No, no. This verse is not enough. That's number one. Number two. When the Bible was written, there were no punctuations. Punctuations were added by translators. If you get the original manuscript, it's just one. No comma, no full stop, nothing. It's translators who put comma and all that. And you know, when you add comma, chapter, and verses, you have left translation into interpretation. Translators are not supposed to interpret. They are just supposed to translate. But they went beyond their call of duty to translate and interpret it. And some of their interpretations are not sound. For example, that comma shouldn't be there. When you remove that comma, the whole verse is changed. Dr. Damina, what do you mean? Hold on. Go back to verse 7. Let's read verse 7 together. Nobody wants to go. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, does what? Cleanseth us from all sin. So as long as we stay in Christ, there is a constant cleansing taking place. Once you miss it, once you miss it, without you asking, Now, jump from this text. Come to 1 John 2 1. 1 John 2 1. Come on, read together very loud. My little children, these things write out unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. Did he say confess? If any man sin, did he say confess? What did he say? When you go to court with your lawyer, who does the talking? We have an advocate. I don't talk. My advocate talks. It is say, if we see any man sin, confess. And he's talking to my little children. He's talking to believers. Then you see, you have an advocate. Remember previously, he already told you, if you walk in the light, that means you're, if you're born again, his blood is always washing. Then in verse 2, he now says, you're my little children. Don't sin. But in case you sin, remember the advocacy of Jesus. Are we together? Yes. Same context, verse 12. 1 John 2, 12. Can we all be together? Everybody wants to go. My, and I told you, you little children. Why? Because, because you confess. Your sins are forgiven because you confess. Because you cried. Because you looked humble. Because you rolled on the floor in a pious manner. Your sins are forgiven you. Why? Name is office. 
For his office sake, they add bogies. Am I teaching? Now come back to first John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he cannot tell you you have the advocacy. He cannot tell you if you walk in the light, his blood cleanses you and asks you to confess. Which means John was writing to two classes of people the agnostics and the believers. The agnostics were people came to church and pretended to be part of us, but they are not born again. They sang our songs, danced our dance. Use our cliches. Be blessed. Be blessed. Glory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Brother God is good all the time. But they are not born in good. They are blessed. So Brother John now, after talking to the believers, that when you walk in the night, his blood is always washing you. He now turned to the agnostics and says, if we confess, we do the agnostics. If we confess our sins, he remove the comma. If we confess our sins, he so our sins is a he. God made him sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Who is our sin? Jesus. So if we confess Jesus, he is faithful. So what is John saying? Believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. John was just telling the agnostic, if you confess Jesus as your sin bearer, you'll be forgiven. Then after talking to them, he now comes up to say, my little children, which means these are not part of the little children. Am I teaching you? This thing is right up unto you, that you sin not. But in case you see him, you have an advocate. I write this thing to you because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Somebody say, I have, I have eternal, forgiveness eternal forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Say it again, I have, I have eternal forgiveness eternal in Christ Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 7. Let's read together everybody want to go. In whom we have redemption through his blood. What is redemption? A forgiveness. Wait, wait, wait. A forgiveness. Present continuous. We already have it supplied. We have the forgiveness of sins. How? According to the riches of his grace. So that means I walk in constant forgiveness. It's my right in Christ. I don't have to be confessing and crying. See that? I'm going to deal with something on this tomorrow in the morning service. You know, it's, going, it's going to help you a lot. Now, Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the sense of life. Next part. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Next verse. Let's all read together the next verse like a mass choir. One to go. In whom we have redemption through his blood. In whom Ephesians 4.32 Let's read together. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. One to go. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, 
Even as God for our confession's sake has forgiven you. Even as God for Christ's sake will forgive you. Will forgive you. You are already eternally forgiven. Somebody asked me someone, so Dr. Damila, if I see now, what do I see? What do I see? So I said, you, you like seeing. That's your problem. You like seeing. Bible says, study to be quiet. But you like seeing. You didn't hear what I said. Be slow to speak. But you are fast to speak. Some of you is not even seeing sin consciousness. You're full of consciousness. And because you're seeing consciousness, you're weak in sin. Because the consciousness of sin breaks your defense. So what do I say if I sin? Thank you, Father. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Sin has no dominion over me. I'm not under the law, I'm under the grace of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I am justified. Thank you. As you keep saying that, after a while you discover that you are bigger than that stuff. You discover it. Yes. You speak positionally. I am. This is who I am. I'm not that. So question, why do you believe I see identity Christ? The reason why you are still sinning is because your real identity has not registered. So you are acting like an animal even though you are a human. <laughs> but the day you will look at the mirror well and see that, ah, no, I shouldn't be bending, I should be standing. <laughs> so that's why we keep the hold. So the job of the pastor is to bring the mirror to service. Every service you carry the mirror of Christ. You tell him, look, look, look. Look, look, look. This is who you are. 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 And when they leave the service, they leave stronger. Then they are trying to bend. They come back to the next service. This is who you are. And as you remind them enough, they start acting like who they are. And all those little, little things that are a problem starts giving way. They start maturing and growing. We feed on the diet called Christ. If somebody is blessed, I have a good amen. So remember, Genesis is... The New Testament, which started before the Old Testament in a promise. Genesis is the New Testament, which started before the Old Testament in a promise. Which means that the New Testament predated the Old Testament. Which means that the New Testament is, is older than the Old Testament. Which means that the Old Testament is younger than the New Testament. Which means God's plan for man was New Testament. It is man that fabricated Old Testament. So God came as a man to reinforce the New Testament in his blood. So there's consistency in the dealings of God with man. Is it getting clear? So watch this. Genesis, New Testament, in the promise. Exodus to Malachi, Old Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Old Testament with New Testament promise. Old Testament. 
So where does the New Testament begin? Matthew 28, 26. Matthew 28, 26. Glory to God. Matthew 28, verse 26. Are you there? Matthew chapter 28, verse 26. 26, 28, sorry. Matthew 26, 28. Can we all read together? Everybody want to go. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. So the New Testament was the shed blood of Jesus. So there will be no New Testament until the blood is shed. The blood was not shed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The blood was shed at the end of John, which opened up Acts of the Apostles, which now says after his resurrection. So the New Testament started in Acts. So Acts to Revelation is New Testament. But the book of Acts is not called doctrine. The book of Acts is eyewitness account of the transition of the church from the law to the finished one. Real doctrine begins from Romans with the doctrine of righteousness. So doctrinal materials will be Romans to Jews. What about Revelation? Revelation is a vision. You don't build doctrine from vision. You build doctrine from the canon, which is scripture. That's why you get confused with Revelation. Because it's a vision. That's why you see horns. You see horses. You see chariots. That's like a movie. Because it's a vision. Yes. Two witnesses. Yes. Two are in Kenya, right? That's why you hear some preachers who tell you COVID-19 is 666. They are confused. So we tell you that there is a world ruler coming that will conquer the whole world. And if you don't take vaccine, you will not be able to eat or buy. That that is the antichrist. All that is coming out of confusion because they are reading visions literal. Visions are like parables. You don't interpret them literal. In visions, you interpret visions by the world. So the book of Revelation has to be interpreted by 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. Because John wrote Revelation. Revelation is vision. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John is doctrine that explains vision. So to understand Revelation, you stay with doctrine. And the only doctrinal value in Revelation is Revelation 2 and 3. Actually 1, 2, and 3. Where he wrote the letter to the seven churches and began to deal with them on doctrinal matters. See that? So, the believer is the forgiven. The believer has eternal forgiveness, not temporal. And the believer has been accepted. Amen? Amen. And as a child of God, I don't confess sin. I confess Christ. I confess what he has done for me. I declare his, his testimony of me. I agree with his position about me. Somebody say very loud, I am what the word says I am. I, am what the word says I, am. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. Tell me, I am forgiven. I am, forgiven. I am accepted. I am My forgiveness is not instrumental. It is eternal. I am forgiven in Christ Jesus. Eternally. Amen. Get on your feet. That's all I've got for you tonight. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. 
I didn't bless tonight. Lift your right hand, Father, pray for everybody under the sound of my voice tonight. The revelation of Jesus grows big in Eldoret. The devil has nowhere to hide. Confusion has nowhere to hide. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. The preaching of the gospel grows stronger in this land. Men and women of God in this conference, their hearts are stirred up to preach this gospel like never before. Barriers are terminated. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the flow of your power tonight. Sick bodies be healed. Bodies and yokes be destroyed. Your people liberated to enjoy all that Christ has provided. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for miracles and needs that are met. In Jesus' name we pray. And every believer says that amen on the road to final amen. Listen to me, everybody. I want us to rejoice for 30 seconds. Just rejoice at the world. Let me see you rejoice in Eldorado.
reaches the ends of the earth. So we ask that everyone giving tonight, that your offerings are a sweet smell before the Father. And we declare that your needs are met right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And every believer says a powerful amen. The details are on the screen. You, you know, you can match up, drop your offerings in the baskets. I hand over to Pastor Karanja as he tells us what not. Praise the Lord. I was 